I'm not a loser, but sometimes I do loser things. In the event that this fails, they'll never be able to come to me and say, hey, remember that podcast you did that didn't go so well? No, that was our podcast. We did that. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to episode 29 of the In My Own Words podcast. I'm your podcast host, Tony R. Sanders. Round of applause. Happy Sunday, everybody. Happy race day. Yep, the Indy 500 is in town, which means I am avoiding the West Side. I avoid the West Side anyway, but now I'm really, really avoiding the West Side. I'm thinking about specific things that I am not going to the West Side to do. I am thinking about Long's Bakery. Not going to do it. Wasn't going to do it anyway, but now I'm saying I'm not going to do it because it's going to be crazy over there. So uh, be safe. Somebody called the (laughs) somebody I was driving today. And uh, we need to talk about group chat etiquette, by the way. One day, one episode, I need to have, like, group chat etiquette conversation. But I was I was driving today, and somebody in the group chat, I won't say who, called uh, the, the Indy 500 White Expo. I thought that was hilarious. I was dying, dying laughing. Uh, if you don't get the joke, oh, well. Uh, so happy Sunday. I'm so glad to have you guys here. And I want to get this episode started out with some breaking news breaking news so with breaking news i have an announcement to make i've been having so much fun over the last 29 episodes doing this podcast and the thing that's the most fun for me i get excited creating content i think you guys know that if you follow me for any length of time i I jump on content ideas i create things i am a creator i think creation is close to godliness i think creation is godliness so i love to create but what happens with the creation after I'm done is the most fun for me. And what I mean by that is this. When I create content, whether it's this podcast or a documentary or I'm trying to do a talk show, I'm in the works trying to do a talk show, trying to figure it out. It is so difficult to figure out, more difficult than I thought it was going to be. But anything worth having is worth working for. Uh, I'm trying to do a talk show, uh, whether it's the clips I put up on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. What I love about it is the conversation that it sparks. Sometimes it sparks a nice conversation in the Instagram DM when someone is telling me that, yes, you got it right, or, man, you really got that one wrong. I love that stuff. Sometimes it starts a good conversation in my uh, text messages. Sometimes it's a good conversation at work. People see me at work and say, you know, I listened to your podcast, or I saw that clip you put out, and I got something to tell you. So because I love that so much and because that's one of my most fun parts when uh, after the creation is done, I can still have fun. I'm going to do this. I'm starting today, starting today, starting today, Sunday. Uh, I'm going to create a Facebook group where we can share our thoughts and our opinions on uh, a myriad of topics. You like how I use that word, myriad? That was the dictionary.com word of the day today. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> we can, we can, watch this. We can share our thoughts on a plethora. Huh? 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 A plethora of of uh, topics and share our thoughts. So uh, one of the things that I love about this podcast is that I have a platform to come on and express myself and tell you how I think about things. One thing that I think that would make the podcast better is if I can hear from you guys and I can express um, or you guys could express to me your thoughts, right? The dopest thing is when I hear people are listening to the podcast and they're talking back to me as if I can hear them. And I want to be able to hear you. And so we're going to start a Facebook group. It is the In My Own Words group. You can find it in the show notes. So go to the episode that you're listening to right now. 
whether you're watching it on YouTube, listening to it on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google, wherever you may be listening to it, in the description, you'll see a link and it'll say Facebook group. Click on that link. It'll take you to the Facebook group and request to join. Now, let's set some ground rules for the Facebook group. What I want to create is a safe space. Let me say it again. A safe space. Let me look into both cameras. Camera one. Wait, camera one. Camera two. A safe space for us to share our ideas, thoughts, and opinions and not a place for people to get torn down, beat down, or beat up for their opinion. That's not what we're here to do, right? I'm going to say some things that you're not going to agree with. In fact, every week for the last 29 weeks, I've said plenty of things that you didn't agree with. You're going to say some things that I don't agree with. The dopest thing that could ever happen in a conversation is for you to say, wow, I never thought about it like that. Or you know what? I understand your perspective. I don't agree with it. I think it's wrong. But at least I understand now, right? I want to have those types of conversations. And so if you're interested in learning and listening more than you are teaching and telling, this is a spot for you. If you're interested in sharing your opinion, but also hearing the opposite opinion and making sure that you are a well-rounded uh, thinker, this Facebook group is the place for you. So please check it out. Today is going to be day one. I may even do some bonus content in there. What I would really also like to do is when I know what the topic is going to be about before I record the podcast, I may do polls, put up a poll and see what you guys think. I may get content suggestions, right? What do you guys want to hear me talk about? What do you want to, to see me talk about or see me do videos about? Uh, I'll also, I may even get some people from the group to come on the show. Facebook has a real cool uh, feature in Messenger that allows you to do phone calls. And so we can set up a phone call with a couple people from the group and have you guys on the show to express your thoughts on the topics that we're talking about. So that was my breaking news. That was my interesting information for the week. Definitely check out the Facebook group. Join us. We will be there having fun uh, seven days a week. All access now, baby. All access. I love that so much. Now, let's get into what we want to get into today. Um... The first thing I have to do is this. I have to give a wow award to Dominique Brazil. Now, oh my God, wow. If you don't know who Dominique Brazil is, uh, give me a second and let me remind you. Maybe, maybe not. Okay, the video's not playing. Oh, there's the video. Yeah. That is Dominique Brazil. <laughs> Dominique Brazil is the poor young lad, the poor young fella who got punched in the face by the freight train we call Deontay Wilder. Now, here's why he's getting a wild award. He's not getting a wild award because he got in the ring with Deontay Wilder and got punched in the face. He's not getting a wild award for getting knocked out. He's getting a wild award because the man told you his plans were to kill you. And you still got in the ring with him. <laughs> you still got, he told you he was going to kill you. He literally said, the thing I love about boxing is that you can get paid to kill someone and it's legal. That right there lets me know mentally you're in a different space than I'm in right now. I'm just going to bow out. Here's another interesting fact. Here's another wild worthy moment. Wild wars are for people who choose wackness over wisdom. If you call someone out, 
you better be sure you can beat them up. <laughs> I, I, it's hilarious for me, by the way. I'm not saying this for my sake. I'm saying this for your sake, Mr. Brazil. It's hilarious for me to see somebody call somebody out or be picking on someone else and then they get knocked out. I love it. I'm telling you right now, I love it. There's nothing greater for me than to see the bully get bullied. There's nothing greater for me to see the giant fall, the guy that was talking the most trash, the guy that started everything, get what they deserve, get their just due. This guy called out Deontay Wilder, which I don't know why anybody would do. I don't think anybody else is going to be doing it anytime soon. Uh, but he called out Deontay Wilder. He started a fight with him and then couldn't finish it. Didn't even get a chance to really get it started. I mean, this fight la lasted less than three minutes. It was over in the first round. There's a video on Deontay Wilder's Instagram page. Let me see if I can find it. If I can find it, uh, I'll add it into the, to the video. But it literally shows <laughs> this man's soul leaving his body. Let me see if I can find it because it's just too funny not to find. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I just don't understand why anybody, there it is. I don't understand why anybody would go through the trouble of bothering somebody. Like, you bothering me. You're bothering me. Why would you? And I'm not going to go too deep into this because I want to do another segment of uh, Always Angry. But why would you bother me just for me to beat you up like that? I didn't even want to beat you up like that. All right, let's listen to this one. That sound, if you're not watching it. Is this man's soul leaving his body? <laughs> what do you do when you get hit that hard? Wow. What do you do wow. when you get hit that hard? I know that those one of those hits where your whole life flashes before your eyes and everything starts to go in slow motion. He fell like in the matrix. Here's the crazy thing. He got hit three times in one punch. Have you ever seen somebody get hit three times in one punch? Let me tell you how he got hit three times in one punch. He got hit with the fist. You got to watch the video. Slow it down. He got hit with the fist, right? That was one. His head was hit so hard that it jerked over, and then his shoulder hit it. Hit Like this side of his face hit his shoulder. That was the second hit. And then he hit the ground. <laughs> When it rains, it pours. It's something about momentum. When Once momentum has been created, it's hard to stop it. He got hit so hard that his own body started beating him up. His shoulders hit him in the face like, what are you doing? I told you this was a bad idea. I told you this was something stupid. We shouldn't be here right now. The man said he was going to kill us. I've never had someone genuinely say, look, I'm going to kill you legally, and I'm excited about it. I never have had that happen. I've also never been hit that hard in the face. Uh, I've been punched in the face before, but never, never, ever, ever that hard. Uh, I got beat up one time. Quick story. I didn't want to fight, uh, but everyone was rooting me on. You got to fight this guy. You got to fight this guy for no reason, just to see what your hands is like. That's how it used to be when you were younger. At least when I was younger coming up. Sometimes they just want to see what your hands look like. Now, this guy was three years older than me. He was taller than me. He was faster than me. He was stronger than me. I was smarter than him. I didn't want to fight. I want to keep my hands and my face to myself. And they start gassing us up. Oh, you ain't going to hit him. You ain't going to hit him. They got us in a circle like on um, Fight Club or something. And 
I'm like, nah, we're not going to fight. Like, this is my boy. Next thing I know, he hit me with a two-piece. Bam, bam. Right in my face. <laughs> he hit me right in my face. Now, I'm feeling all sorts of emotions. And if you've ever fought before, you don't want to feel all sorts of emotions. You want to feel just one emotion. When you're fighting, the times I've gotten into a fight and it's been a good fight, it's because I seen all red. That's all I saw. I was angry. There was nothing else to be said. I was angry. I was pisseth off it. And <laughs> it was time to go. I saw red. I got into a rage and I knocked some heads off. That's what I did when I fought. This time was different. I was shocked. I was a little terrified. <laughs> I was angry. I was uh, upset. I was emotional. I was all these things. Any emotion that you can think of that is not positive, I was that. A little depressed because now you just hit me in the face. I didn't see it. That was another <laughs> That was another thing, too, about me getting hit in the face. I never saw his hands leave from where they were. Like, his hands was down at the side, and I felt myself get hit two times, bam, bam. And when I looked again, his hands were still at his side. To this day, I'm still not sure if he hit me or not. The only reason, the, the only reason I know he hit me twice is because I felt it and everybody said, oh, he hit you in the face. And that was it. That was the end of the fight. I was mad. I was, I was pissed at the office and I walked away. That was it. That was the end of that fight. I was probably like 10 years old, I want to say, maybe eight or nine. Super young. I was so upset. I was so, so upset. I never fought that guy again. We are we are still cool to this day. He probably doesn't even remember that. But I may remind him after this. So uh, I had to give that wow award to Dominique Brazil. Here's the funny thing about that clip, too. The announcer, right? When you're the announcer, I would assume that you practice the things that you're going to say before you say them on air, right? Like, you would want to know what's going to be kind of, you know, in your in your bag before you get on on. TV, right? You got to have those catchphrases. And like Mark Jackson is a perfect example. He always has something slick, something clever to say. I think that's just in his DNA. I think it's a New York thing. I think that's just the way he talks. Chris Weber is uh, a good example for the other side. He always has something that you could tell he wrote in a hotel room before the game. It is trash, like it's straight trash, but at least he comes prepared. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the boxer says, and Dominique Brazil got hit so hard, and they're feeling it in Brazil. Um, I thought that was super interesting for a couple of reasons. But let's listen to this again. I want you guys to hear Brazil, what the announcer went with. Almost choked. <coughs> Pardon me. He hit Brazil so hard, they're filling it in Brazil. I'm like, okay, all right, so maybe he's from Brazil. Uh, nope, he's American, uh, born in California. <laughs> um, maybe he has some family ties to Brazil. Nope, no current ties to Brazil. Uh, the only other country he's ever fought in was London. Uh, I guess he was just playing off the last name Brazil, but it feels like you would go into this fight having more like clever... Uh, wittier, you know, words or punchlines or whatever. I don't even know what you call it in boxing. In hip-hop, we would call it bars, right? You should have more bars than they're filling it in Brazil. Like Wilder is Wilder, I think, would have been a good one, right? Deontay Wilder is Wilder right now. You could play off the last names a little bit. 
bro, they hit him so hard that they're feeling it in Brazil. Brazil's like, what do we do to get into this? We didn't. We had nothing to do with this. Don't be bringing Brazil into this all willy nilly. So I thought that was interesting. I thought it was crazy to get into a ring with a man who told you, who flat out told you, I'm going to kill you because it's legal and I ain't got nothing else to do on a Saturday. I think that that's crazy. I think that that's crazy. So one last time, Dominique Brazil, the man laying on the pavement, the man who got knocked out, you get this wow. Oh my God. Wow. All right, I'm going to be honest with y'all. This is what we would call a slow news week, meaning there's not a lot that happened in the news that interests me. Now, I know as soon as I said that, someone said, no, a lot happened in the news this week. Trump this and Trump that and this and this and that. None of that stuff, none of that stuff interests me. Not really, right? The one thing that happened this week that was super interesting to me, uh, it was a couple of things. There, the first thing that happened that was super interesting to me was the Magic Johnson conversation on First Take. But I feel like we did a good job covering Magic Johnson already. I told you why he left the Lakers. Uh, he came back and basically proved my point. I said that he left because he has FU money. He's like, look, I don't need this. I'm Magic Johnson. I'm out. He went on first take and basically said, look, this is everything he listed. What was funny about the Magic Johnson interview, and I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but now I'm talking about it. If you go and watch it, he everything that he said that happened to him at work is what happens at work. Oh, man, they were talking about me behind my back. That's what happens at work. <laughs> oh, man, they were saying that I wasn't there enough. They saying I was working part-time. I wasn't showing up. Yeah, that's what happens at work. Oh, man, they were saying I, I wasn't putting in the work. I wasn't working as hard as everybody else on the team, and I wasn't doing X, Y, and Z. But I told my boss we were going to do that, and they was cool, but they didn't step up for me, and they let people talk. That's all the things that happen at work. The difference is Magic Johnson had enough money to say, you know what, I got a good life before I came here. My life is good. I don't need y'all little paycheck. I'm out. That was the only difference. I feel like Magic went on first take and proved every single thing that I said in that episode. So I don't remember what episode it was, but you can go back and check it out and see if you agree that Magic pretty much proved my point. I I'm, I'm need to start doing a, a segment on the show called I Told You So. <laughs> That's what I need to do because... Uh, there's a lot of times where I was like, ah, oh, I think this is what's happening. And then it happens, and then I don't even think to bring it up again. But so that was one interesting thing that happened in the news. The other interesting thing, and I was going to talk about this, uh, I was going to talk about how everybody was all up in arms about Drake being a fan of his hometown team, by which he is also an ambassador and I think a part owner in, um, being the Raptors. I was going to talk about that. I had a lot to say. I was going to go on this rant about how people are, you know, some of these people are being hypocritical because back in the day when Spike Lee was doing it or when, you know, there's all, every, every, including the Pacers, everyone has a super fan that's there that does crazy, obnoxious thing. And that's a part of the culture. That's a part of the game, right? I was going to talk about that. And then I realized that all the other news sources were talking about it because it was a slow news week. Like, no one actually cared. <laughs> they kept trying to say that, um, I think his name is Mike Budenhoser, uh, the coach for the Milwaukee Bucks, was upset about it. And if you listen to the clip, even the clip that they played, not even the full clip, the clip that they played, the guy says, well, I didn't notice much, but it sounds like you guys are saying that Drake was on the court, and if he's on the court, that shouldn't happen. The NBA is normally pretty good about keeping them, you know, fans off the court. 
but there's boundaries for a reason and nobody should be on the court unless they're playing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. He's just told you that he didn't even notice Drake. He wasn't worried about Drake. But if you're telling me, if you're asking me, what do I think about him being on the court a lot? And you're saying he's on the court. I don't think anybody should be on the court. So when I realized, when I, when I looked through that conversation and saw, oh, they're just only talking about that because it's a snow, a s- snow. it's a slow news week. So I'm not going to piggyback on everybody talking about Drake and that being the lead in to uh, everybody's story because it's a slow news week. What I do instead on this podcast, if you're a new listener, check this out. On this podcast, when we have a slow news week, which means there's not a lot in pop culture, hip hop that I care to talk about. There's not a lot going on in the world that I care to talk about. I have to dig deep into my brain, like this area right here. I go deep, deep, deep back in there. And I talk about whatever is interesting to me, whether it's relevant or not. And I think that most people enjoy that. I think most people think that when I uh, have a slow news week and I really get into my bag, just deep into my thoughts, it's going to be crazy. It may not be something that you agree with. Uh, I think the last time we did this, we got into some crazy conspiracy theories. You never know what's going to come out of there. But I wanted to dig deep, deep into my bag and get that. And when I was doing that, I was scrolling online and I saw something very interesting. I saw Jesse Williams. He's the uh, actor from Grey's Anatomy who looks like Tony Parker. That's the only way I know how to describe him. Uh, He is denying his ex-wife a spousal support payment of $200,000 a month. $200,000 a month. Now, that's a lot of money per year. I don't know. I didn't do the math. But it's a lot. It's a lot of money per month. That's more than the average person, the average family household income in America is for the year, for two years, for three years, it's more. I think the average uh, family household income is between fifty and 60000 So I would have to work, uh, in theory, a household would have to work three years or better before they made 200000 She wants this every month. And it made me think about this. There's way too many incentives to get a divorce. It's way too easy, and there are way too many incentives to get a divorce. Now, we're going to slow walk this one. I want to make sure that we have a good, solid conversation, and I can tell you exactly where I'm coming from. Here's where I'm coming from. My parents, before my mom passed in 2015, were married for 28, 29 years, almost 30 years. Uh, they had celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary. They threw a big party, dinner party. It was really cool. We all dressed up. Uh, well, when she passed, 28 plus years. My grandparents, my mom's parents, they've been married for 65 years, I believe. Somewhere over 60, 50 to 60 years. Um, I have aunts and uncles, 30 plus years. Uh, I've been married myself over 10 years. Cousins that have been married over 10 years. What I'm trying to say is I come from a long line of family who stays together. We, we figure out a way to stay together. And I think that's the most important part. Uh, I think that's the part that a lot of people miss. A lot of people think that, oh man, you guys know how to pick them or whatever phrase the cool kids are using. I don't think it's so much that as it, as it is, we are just committed to staying together. Like, there's nothing that's going to happen with me and Michelle as long as it revolves around me that's going to make me say, you know what, I'm out. I, and this is going to sound crazy, I believe so heavily in staying married and not getting a divorce 
that I would rather be miserable with Michelle than to get a divorce. That's, and I'm not saying that you have to believe that way. I'm saying that that's how crazy it is and extreme it is in my mind that I would rather say, you know what? I'm just going to be miserable and stay with you than to get a divorce and leave you because I want to be happy. Right? So that's where my stance is on divorce. And my stance is so strong on divorce that I've actually lost friends over divorce. And let me tell you what I mean. Not lost friends in a way of, hey, you can't be my friend anymore because you're getting a divorce. Never that, right? Uh, I do always joke to say I don't have any single friends. Um, But obviously, you guys know that that's just a joke. I do have single friends. Uh, The idea behind the joke, though, is that um, we just live different lifestyles, right? If I have a friend that's single and we go out, there's no telling what you may get into because you're not risking as much as me or the same things as me, right? For you, you may be risking your uh, career or your apartment or condo or house that you bought, you know, whatever personal possessions you own, and all that's fine, right? And I'm not saying that one thing is more valuable than another, but for me, every time I go out, I'm not just representing myself. I don't, I'm not putting my career or whatever at risk or my financial opportunities or position. I'm also representing my wife. I'm also putting her at risk. I'm also representing my children. I'm also putting them at risk, right? So, and that's a big part of it. And so that's why I always say, you know, I don't, I don't go out with single people because I never know what you're going to do as a single person. And two married guys go out, we can hold each other accountable. You know what I mean? Something crazy goes on. I can say, yo, Ashley is at home right now and she's waiting on you. Don't do that, right? Uh, I don't know why I said Ashley. I have so many. <laughs> I can think of three people right now whose wives are named Ashley. They go listen to this and be like, yo, why are you calling me out? It's not you. I promise. But uh, that's how much I believe in divorce. That is the culture of divorce. And the way that I've lost friends is this. Um, because I've been married, because I come from a family of successful marriages, I often get asked for marriage advice. And I love giving marriage advice. It's one of my most favorite things to do, but it's a hard thing to do because I think what it takes to be successful in a marriage, most people don't want to do. I don't think that most people would say, you know what, I'm just going to stick it out even if I'm not quote-unquote happy right now. I'm going to stick it out because I made this commitment and I'm not going back on my commitment. I don't think that most people take that position. I think most people say, well, I want to be happy. And they'll even say, well, God wants me to be happy and blah, 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 blah. We're not even going to go into that. But I think most people are chasing happiness and not keeping up with their commitment. I talked to a lady. She was getting married. And I was like, wow, you know, um, congratulations. You know, you just got engaged. Um, I didn't even know you were dating someone. And she said, oh, yeah, we just met like a month or two ago. I said, oh, okay. Oh, wow. You guys are going to get married? Yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, I'll just get a divorce. I mean, I've done it before. It wouldn't be my first time. Whoa. <laughs> just to think that's that, you know, for me to hold marriage so highly on this pedestal, to say that it's one of the ma- most amazing things you can do, I think it's the second most important decision you'll ever make in your life, right? Number one is if you're going to live for God or not. Number two is who you're going to marry. I think those things, two things are extremely important. For someone to just say, eh, you know, if it doesn't work out, I'll just get a divorce. I think that that speaks to our current culture and our current society and the system that's set up 
that it's too easy and there's too many incentives that go out to getting a divorce. I was looking at this. Jeff Bezos and his wife got a divorce, right? Now, I'm not looking at the reason why they got a divorce. I know the reason why they got a divorce is because he was cheating and blah, 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 right? And I, I don't think cheating is grounds for divorce either. Um, and that's a whole nother conversation. But I think that uh, they got a divorce because he was cheating. And she walked away with $35 billion. Now, let me ask you something. And this is where I think the problem comes in. Let's say it's $35 billion. Let's say it's $3.5 billion, $350 million, $35 million, $3.5 million, $350,000, $35,000, whatever the number is. If you are already upset with the person and you get into the state of hopelessness, because marriages do go through states of hopelessness, that's important to point out. Anytime you're in a marriage, you're going to go through a state of doubt and a state of hopelessness. You're going to go through a state of doubt saying, man, maybe I picked the wrong person. Or, man, maybe we did this at the wrong time. Me and Michelle went through that. Not the wrong person, but definitely the wrong time. Like, man, maybe we just got married too young. Like, we've made so many mistakes. There's so many things that happened. So many things that maybe we could have been avoided with just a higher level of maturity. Maybe we just got married too young, right? Not a doubt about the right person, but maybe the wrong time. You're going to go through those phases. You're also going to go through those hopelessness phases where you're like, man, this isn't getting better. I thought it would be better than this. I thought it would be better by now. It isn't getting better. And you know what? I don't see it ever getting better. So every marriage goes through those two phases. How difficult or easy, I guess I should say, is the best way to word it, is it for you to leave when you are feeling hopeless, you don't see a future, and you got a pretty nice, sizable paycheck coming when you get done with it? Like, think about that for a second. If I know that we're going through a dark time, I feel like this is hopeless, I'm having doubts, and oh, by the way, if I leave you, I always think the grass is green on the other side, but if I leave you, there's a cool $35 billion waiting on me. So it's not like I'm leaving behind the lifestyle that we created. It's crazy that you can create a lifestyle with someone, separate from them, and still depend on each other to maintain that lifestyle. I don't know about you guys, but I think that is nuts. <laughs> I think this and this is this is what I think when I'm saying when there's too many incentives to get a divorce, you should not be able to still be at the same lifestyle level as that the one you created with someone. Now, I'm not saying that the woman doesn't deserve anything. I'm not even saying that the man doesn't deserve anything. But what I'm saying is you have decided to and abort, kill this lifestyle that you created, and start life over. You're going to have to start life over emotionally. You're going to have to start life over in a lot of different ways. Physically, your, your address is going to change. Your uh, location may change, right? You may even have to change from not working to working now. I think that that is very important that we talk about all the incentives it is to get a divorce. If you know that you, you, know, you think you're going to be happier, but you know you got this big payday coming, it's not, nothing stopping you from just saying, you know what, I just got to tough it out. There are, <laughs> there are times where our grandparents wanted to leave each other and they knew that it was going to be harder because they needed each other. Like grandma stayed home and she cooked and she cleaned and she took care of the kids and she didn't make money on her own. And so she needed grandpa. 
even though she didn't like grandpa right now, even though he didn't want to put she didn't want to put up with grandpa no more, even though she was tired of his stuff and tired of his foolish ways and tired of X, Y, and Z, she knew that she needed him and she stayed. And here's what happens on the other side of staying. And this is the point that I want to get to with this. What happens on the other side of staying is that you find ways to be happy. With time and with experience, you gain perspective. There are some things that I was so frustrated and so hopeless about in my marriage with Michelle that with time, experience, and perspective, I realized that I was wrong. I realized that my perspective was completely wrong. I realized that I was doing it the wrong way. I'll give you an example. There were some things that I wanted to change about Michelle when we got married. I don't like the way you do this. I don't like the way you do that. I don't like the way you do X. I don't like the way you do Y. I don't like the way you do Z, right? And so I was so headstrong about her changing these things. And the sweet thing about her, the loving person she is, she was willing to try to change some of those things. You know what, babe? I understand. I don't want to be that way either. I don't like that either. I don't like that I cut you off so much when we talk. I don't like that uh, halfway through the conversation, it appears as though I'm not listening or I'm doing something else. So I start doing X, Y, and Z, right? Just using some examples off the top of my head. She would tell me, it wasn't like I was just trying to force things, things on her. Maybe I was a little bit, but she would tell me like, yo, I agree with some of that stuff. Like, yeah, I could try to do that differently, but then it wouldn't work, right? And it would frustrate me to the point where I'm like, yo, this is going to be the rest of my life. The rest of my life, I'm going to feel as mad, as frustrated, as depressed as I feel right now because it's never going to change. What I underestimated, though, what I didn't think about was that I could change. Even though my situation may not change, I could change. My perspective would change. And the way that my perspective shifted was this. My mission is not to change, Michelle. My mission is to learn as much as I can about her to help cater towards her and to take care of her needs and value her for who she is. When you try to change people, it's normally because you don't value them for who they are. Well, let's, let me let that breathe for a second. I felt something in my spirit. <laughs> I felt something in my spirit where someone said, hmm, that's interesting. When you try to change people, it's because you don't value them for who they are. So the lesson wasn't in it for Michelle. The lesson was in it for me. You need to value that woman for who she is. It's dope that she does things different than you. It's dope that she has a different background than you. It's dope that she has a different way of thinking than you. If both of you thought, that the, thought the same, one of you isn't needed. So it's dope that she brings a different perspective to the table. How about you make yourself more well-rounded and more well-versed by adopting some of the ways that she thinks? How about you observe that? Jot that down. Take notes on that. Study that, master that, and now you know how your woman thinks. Now you understand why she does things the way that she does. Now you understand the intricacies of what's going on when you guys are interacting or whenever these things that are coming up that hurt you are hurting you, you have more perspective on it now. You can step back and say, you know what? I don't like that, but I know she's not doing it from a malicious uh, perspective. I know she's not doing it to hurt me. I know she's not doing it with intent. But you never get to that point in today's age and time because it's so easy to get a divorce. And there's so many incentives to get a divorce, even if you don't have money. Here's what I think. So I don't want to just spend all this time talking about the problem. 
we got to talk about a solution too. Here's what I think. I think that when you get a divorce, not only do you have to go through um, marriage counseling, I would say that you have to uh, go to 52 sessions of marriage counseling. That means once a week for a year, you go to, through marriage counseling, um, and this is before you're separated. This is before you've, you've moved out or anything like that. You're still living together. You're still working together. You're still trying to figure this out. As a last-ditch effort, you go to 52 sessions of marriage counseling, right? And then if you go in front of the marriage counselor after 52 sessions, you, along with your marriage counselor, can decide whether or not a divorce is imminent. If you decide, the three of you together, if you guys decide that there's no other way to do this, we have to get a divorce for whatever reason, then instead of you getting or gaining a lifestyle, what you get is a grace period to recreate a lifestyle, right? So I think that there should be uh, funds available from wherever they need to come from in the party, right? Whether it may come from the wife or maybe it may come from the husband or whoever was the breadwinner or however the situation is set up. There should be funds made available for a short period of time, a six-month period of time that will help you get back on your feet. And when I say get back on your feet, it's not necessarily to the standards of the lifestyle that you created with your husband or with your wife. It's just enough for you to be able to have um, enough of a lifestyle to live, right? So for example, with Jeff Bezos and his wife, she shouldn't get $35 billion because she wants to leave her marriage. What she should get is six months of income to help her recreate or create a lifestyle for herself. For whatever work she needs to do, whatever business she wants to invest in, whatever uh, job or career path she wants to take, you have six months to get to yourself. The reason why I use six months is because most people, if you're a single dad, a single mom, just a single person in, uh, in any way, you should have six months of income to help you if you fall on rough times, you go through major life changes, you lose your job, you have a six-month window to continue to pay your bills to get back on your feet. That's all anybody needs. Now, if you're extremely wealthy, in the case of Jeff Bezos, what I think you should do is take half of your income and donate it to a charity or a cause that is pro-marriage and pro-helping people go through uh, situations where they're considering divorce. There are charities and organizations out there that need funding that are help counseling people to uh, keep their marriage together. I think you should have to take half of your money and invest it into that. Instead of we invest in each other, we right, you get half, I get half, we go along happy. How, how many people do you think would take a second look or a second guess? Let me think about this a little bit more before I leave, before I pack up. Because I know I got to go through 52 sessions with a third party to determine whether my marriage is savable or not. And I also know that half the money that I thought I was going to get, I'm not going to get. It's going to go to some charity and I'm only going to get six months of whatever the state that I live in determines is a livable wage to get back on my feet. I think that if we took some of the incentives away for people to get a divorce, the divorce rate would go down. I do. And that's just my thoughts on it. I don't know what you guys think. I definitely want to hear from you. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear 
your feedback, especially if you've been through a divorce before. Uh, now, I need to throw a caveat in there because I hear people saying it already. If you are going through an abusive relationship, right, somebody's mentally, physically abusing you, I'm not saying to stay there and continue to get abused, right? Let's, so let's throw out the extremes. What I'm saying is you've fallen out of love. You just don't like the same things anymore. You just, you know, it's been 20 years and now it's over. All those things, right? Anything outside of mental and physical abuse. Um, I don't think that cheating is something that should be a deal breaker in a marriage. I know that sounds wild. I know that sounds crazy. I just believe that people should be able to uh, work through it and work it out. I believe that marriage is a covenant and not a contract. I believe that it is a covenant that can't be broken. Once you make it, it is done. It is till death. And that is what you keep. Once you put that word out there, you keep your word on that. And so uh, those are my words. I definitely want to hear it in your words. Um, one more thing before we go. I think, I think we should do another edition of Always Angry. I did one of these last week uh, about the guy in the gym. By the way, I saw that guy again this week. And he was, he was normal. It was weird. He was very normal. He, he wasn't like a raging guy. I think he really took something that day. I don't know if it was steroids or a pre-workout or I don't know what happened. I think he took something that day that was really had him hyped up and really had his his focus off and his social skills off because he was he was mad cool and normal this weekend in the gym. So I don't know what happened. But let's do an edition of Always Angry before we get out. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. All right. Here's what's making me angry this week. To all of the people who decide to come up to me and lie for no reason. You guys make me angry. Let me explain to you why. I feel like as an adult, there's no reason for you to lie, ever. As an adult, there's no reason for you to lie. Whatever decision you made, stand by your decision as a grown man or a grown woman. Put on your big girl panties, put on your big boy drawers, and stand by your decision. There's no need for you to lie. But I get it if you're pressured and you're put into a situation where you feel like you may need to lie. Fellas, we run into this all the time, right? Does this make my butt look big? No, your butt was already big, right? We run into this all the time. Hey, how does this look on me? Does this look make me look slim? No, it doesn't make you look slim. It makes you look like how you look before you put it on, right? We run into this all the time. So I understand if someone's pressing you and you don't want to hurt their feelings, you want to make them feel good. You don't want to make them feel bad about themselves and have a complex and be depressed or whatever, 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 because we're sensitive in this society. I get that part, right? But when you come up to me and you volunteer information, when I didn't ask you nothing, I didn't ask you nothing and you lied to me. The reason this makes me so upset is because I feel like you doubt my intelligence. I feel like you, you, you think I'm just a fire hydrant. You can come piss lies on and everything is going to be all good. Like, I don't know you're lying to me right now. I've had people this week, and I say people because there's been multiple people, come to me and tell me lies as if my lie detector don't work, as if my bull meter does not work. Fam, I know you're lying to me, and now I have to look at you different. Now I have to question why I even talk to you at all if you feel like you need to come lie to me unprompted for no reason. Not a good lie either. 
If you can't be good, at least be good at it. It's not a good lie either. It's a horrible lie, an inconsequential lie. It's a lie that doesn't even mean anything. You literally could have stood next to me and said nothing, and that conversation would have been more impactful had you not lied. I don't understand people that come up to you and just lie for no reason. I had a cousin like this. I had a cousin like this. He would come and tell you the most incredible, amazing stories that everyone knew was a lie. This guy told me, this is a true story. He told me that one day he went to a pay lake, right? A man-made pond with fish in it where you can go. I don't even call it fishing. You go catching. It's not even fishing, right? You're going catching. He told me he went there and caught a rainbow trout. Now, I don't think he knew what a rainbow trout was. <laughs> I think that everyone else was sharing a fishing story, and unprompted, he just decided to walk up and lie for no reason. He just wanted to be a part of the conversation. And so for all of you that lie for no reason, I just want to say I judge you. I think less of you. I don't like talking to you. I don't like being around you. I smile, but I'm angry. Don't you, don't you dare Doubt my intelligence and doubt my bull meter. I know you're lying to me. I'm just going to let it slide. Whew. Glad I got that out of my chest, man. I've been holding that in for a while. <laughs> These lies happen like on Monday and Tuesday. It's hard to like recreate that energy on a Saturday. <laughs> But anyway, I love you guys. Again, check out the Facebook group. Check out my YouTube channel. Check me out on Instagram at Tony R. Sanders. And check me out on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash In My Own Words Podcast. On Twitter at Tony R. Sanders. I will talk to you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>